Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. And welcome to the future of XYZ. This week, we are speaking with one of my favorite uh, doctors, Dr. Andrea Thaw. Uh, welcome, Dr. Thaw, first and foremost, to the future of XYZ. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Thaw, besides being my phenomenal eye doctor, is a doctor of optometry. Uh, she takes care of people's vision, whether they be infants, children, or adults. She has a private practice in Manhattan that she's had for many decades. Uh, she is a professor emeritus uh, at her alma mater, SUNY College of Optometry. She is the past president of the American Optometric Association, known as AOA. She's the current chair of their leadership development committee where they've recently launched a leadership or a development platform that we'll get to hear about. Uh, she's also on their political action committee board, which uh, makes sense because she's the policy chair for the American Public Health Association, uh, recently having passed, I believe, two major policies that uh, we are hoping will be adopted by federal and or state legislators in the near future. Is that correct? It's all correct. <laughs> it's a very impressive uh, resume for sure, and that's only current. Um, but today, and thank you again for joining us, we are going to be speaking about the future of America's eyes. So I'd love to talk a little bit about, first and foremost, what this subject means based on where we are, and of course, most importantly, the future. Well, thank you, Lisa, for having me. I love to talk to the public about vision and eyes. It's said that next to life itself, God's greatest gift is our vision. And there's so much that we can do to protect and preserve and enhance our vision. And my colleagues as doctors of optometry across the country are found in over 10,000 communities where we provide the vast majority of primary eye care. And by doing that, we take care of uh, children from babies up to seniors. We, used to, we like to say from diapers to depends. And um, we try to help the children enhance their visual development. We try to help the uh, children and adults use their vision uh, effectively. And we help to help our seniors protect and preserve their vision. And so there's so many different things that we can talk about today in terms of the futures of America's eyes. And I'd love to focus a bit on children and children's vision and vision development because we know that there have been so many rapid changes in children's eyes based on the impact of stress on our bodies. So wow. stress in general forces your body to either adapt or to avoid it. And we've seen over the years, for example, an increasing prevalence of nearsightedness or myopia. It's mm -hmm. now estimated by the year 2050 that 50% of the world's population will be nearsighted as wow. a result of all of the close work that we're doing and all of the devices that we're doing. And we know like here based in New York City, where we really faced the pandemic head on early on, we're seeing the impact on children by being homeschooled and being forced to use Zoom and computers um, all the time and use handheld devices all the time. And so it's gonna be really interesting to see the long-term impact on that. And I'd love today to chat a little bit about what parents and grandparents can do to protect and preserve their children and grandchildren's vision 
for years to come. Um, nearsightedness, as one example, is not just like what power lens do I need? What difference does it make if I'm a minus one or a minus two or a minus three? We actually know that it that higher levels of nearsightedness are associated with eye diseases and mm. vision loss. And so if we can do something to slow it down, to slow down the progression, we can have a profound impact on children and adults' quality of life and their ability to maintain their vision. And well, in addition- it, I was just gonna say, it's really interesting about, there's so many interesting things in this. And I just wanna pause for one second because I think what I just heard is a lot. And I wanna talk about like the impact of the digital devices and then obviously the multiplier effect of the pandemic on that. But, you know, we're talking about children. That's the focus and that's your, your current real focus and the policy work that you're doing. You know, but I think just generally speaking, you know, optometry, I, I, if we can make the difference first between optometry and ophthalmology, but also, you know, the, the, how important our, our vision is, right? I mean, just generally, if we can talk to those two things. Yes. Yeah, so one of the most important things you could do is be sure to have an annual comprehensive eye examination to protect and preserve your vision. Um, and that's important. The first exam, believe it or not, should be in the first year of life between six and 12 months of age. Wow. Then again, by age three, then age five, and then every year thereafter, according to the clinical practice guidelines of the American Optometric Association. And you asked a good question about the difference between the O's. There are actually three O's mm -hmm. in the fields. There's optician, optometry, and ophthalmology. So the opticians are the people who make the glasses. They fill the prescription, then grind the lenses and make the frames and lenses. Uh, the doctors of optometry, like myself, provide the vast majority of America's primary eye care. We are the eye doctors that diagnose disease, treat disease, fit glasses and contacts, provide vision therapy and vision rehabilitation, and work with low vision patients. And we are like the primary care doctor, and we are the primary care provider for the eyes. The ophthalmologists are tertiary care specialists, and they're the surgeons that really deal with disease. And nowadays, the vast majority of ophthalmologists actually are specialized in the tertiary care. You'll have separate cataract surgeons, you'll have glaucoma surgeons, you'll have retina surgeons, you have oculoplastic surgeons. So we all ideally work hand in hand where we are the gatekeepers, where the patients come to us for the primary care. And then as needed, we refer you to a specialist if you need that kind of surgery. And then we make sure you see the right specialist and get the right kind of care as follow-up. And it's interesting, just as an example, I had a patient, an adult patient referred to me last week and she came into me because she had eye coordination or binocular vision problems, because that's also a focus of mine and trying to enhance how people use their eyes together as a team. I was gonna vision... say that's a monovision situation or? No, um, actually um, vision's a learned skill. So you can teach people to use their eyes together. And she developed a new eye turn. She had a new problem using her eyes together. And it didn't smell right to me. Um, and as a primary care eye doctor, and the eyes are an extension of the brain, through the eyes, we can find all kinds of neurological problems and over 270 health problems just by an eye exam. Wow. Um, and so my colleagues alone um, two years ago found over 300,000 new cases of diabetes just by doing an eye exam. So it can, wow. it can really change your life. But in this particular patient, um, she had already seen an ophthalmologist and she came to me to work on eye coordination and I didn't like what I was seeing. So I actually called her doctor to order, have them order an MRI. And sure enough, she actually had two cancers in her brain. And she called me yesterday to say, thank you for saving my life. I never thought that an eye exam would do that. 
Um, so it's really, wow. there's a whole host of things that we do. You know, we can find MS in the eyes, we can find brain tumors, um, but we can also just really make people's eyes work together better. We, 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 we always, the old adage is that eyes are, you know, the, the window to the soul, but it apparently goes beyond the soul. It goes into all of our physical functioning. Yes, and it often becomes an entry point for patients, especially people who don't have access to regular health care, where they'll come to see us. We're not a substitute for going to your general doctor or your OBGYN or your other doctors, but we are often the entry point that will bring people in and we can get them into the system. So, you know, we check blood pressure, we take extensive medical histories. So, yes, the, the eyes enable us to, to help patients find all kinds of health problems and neurological problems and, of course, protect and preserve their eyes and their vision which is so important for so many reasons, besides which, of course, you know, as someone who has been four eyes for a very long time, um, it's, it's, you know, having a great eye doctor is, uh, you know, tantamount to success in life, frankly. Um, but I'm very curious, you know, you mentioned just even as a primary care doctor, right? You're the first order of business for, for vision care, but also sometimes, you know, beyond that for just general health. I, of course, just speaking firsthand experience, like I is always in America, not outside of America, but is treated as something separate in the insurance policies, right? You have to have I written in. Can we, can you just given your policy background, could you just spend like 30 seconds or 15 seconds just kind of explaining that? Yes, and this has been something that the American Optometric Association has been working very hard at to have eye care incorporated into healthcare. So the health insurance industry has artificially bifurcated eye care into two components, the medical disease part and then the vision part, which they see as routine. And so you'll often need a rider to cover the refraction, which is the part of the visit to determine your eyeglass prescription, and they don't wanna pay for contacts or glasses. And you may have a separate vision plan that covers that, just as you have a separate dental plan that may cover dental stuff, whereas the medical part of your visit goes through your health insurance. Um, and one of the big wins for the American Optometric Association was that when the Affordable Care Act was, was created, one of the 10 essential benefits that was defined in the Affordable Care Act was a comprehensive eye examination with materials, meaning eyeglasses, for all children birth through 18. So that wow. was an enormous win that we got included in that. And we have been fighting hard to ensure that all Americans have access to the excellent eye care that are provided by doctors of optometry across the country and have coverage, the appropriate coverage for it. Um, still something that's going back and forth. If you have somebody, as you called yourself, four eyes, someone who's very nearsighted, I mean, you can't really say that your glasses or your contacts are cosmetic. You know, they're really no. <laughs> medically necessary because you'd walk into the wall or crash your car um, and not be able to function without it. But unfortunately, the that's above. the way right? That's the way that it was. That's how it was created. So we've been working really hard. And that's one of the ways that the policies that we pass through the APHA really call upon the federal and state agencies to ensure that there's access to eye care. It, it makes perfect sense. And, and and now I'll let you come back to where you were going, which is so important, I think, in terms of talking about, you know, comprehensive eye care is, is a piece of our overall well-being, both health, you know, physical health-wise, but also therefore uh, emotional health-wise, I think, you know, um, it, just when you when you have access to things and things are working right and together. So let's just, uh, let, me, let me open the, the, the table to you and we go back to the future of America's eyes. There's a lot of action happening, uh, Dr. Thoth. So talk about where you're taking this and especially in light of children and, and, and the pandemic. I mean, 
you remember I came into you saying, oh my God, my eyes, you know, not so long ago saying my eyes, my eyes, I think it's because of all the digital, you know, devices. I can only imagine if I were also a child in still development and I don't know, I it's just, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has put incredible strain on our visual systems that already have been taxed to the max. And I really wanna commend the American Optometric Association for having an emergency children's vision summit last week to really call America's attention to all the problems with eyes and vision related to use of devices. You know, our eyes are separated in our head to give us good depth perception. That really helped us when we back in the days where we were hunters and gatherers and had to look at 3D objects far away with really transient use of vision up close. Um, and you see over the years amongst communities where they switch from hunting to reading, there was a famous study in Barrow, Alaska years ago where the adults had great vision because they were hunters, um, had to catch the seals and polar bears and whatever else and fish or not get eaten by the polar bear. Um, and then they introduced classroom learning to the children. And suddenly that next generation where the kids were being forced to read and look at things up close, their visual system started to adapt and they became more nearsighted. But what's uniquely challenging to our visual system is these glowing screens where we can't really lock in on the z-axis of focusing exactly correctly. And we have this prolonged, sustained need to look at things up close where we can't focus well. And you know, one of the important things that people can do to protect their vision is first of all, have their comprehensive eye exam with their doctor of optometry. And if you don't have one, I strongly suggest you go to the American Optometric Association's website, which is aoa.org. And they have a doctor locator where you can find excellent doctors of optometry in your area, in your community. So that's the most important things to do. And when you go for that exam, you need to share with your doctor of optometry all of your visual demands that you or your child have. What kind of devices do you use? How much are you using them? Are you using handheld devices, iPads, laptops, desktops, you know, TV monitors? What are you doing? Because there are different prescriptions and different um, demands and requirements for each of those. So from a visual hygiene standpoint, I mean, first of all, you mentioned your eyes get tired. There's a, there's a whole increase of what's there called is. computer vision syndrome that's associated with using computers that we used to only see in adults, which we're now seeing in children. Mm. Increased prevalence of dry eyes, partially because people quote unquote stare at the computer, they don't blink. Normally you blink reflexively when you're reading, but when you're looking at a computer, you tend to stare. Um, also incredible stress on the focusing, the accommodative system and the binocular system as the eyes try to adjust to sustaining that vision up close. What, and then what, if you what, don't, are those, what are those two systems that you just mentioned? Accommodation, which is focusing. So when your eyes look far, you're, the inside your eyes a lens and that lens relaxes to look far. And when you look up close, that lens has to zoom in and focus up close. And frankly, our peak focusing is at age 10. By age 20, our natural focusing ability is in half. And after 40, as it's decreasing, it starts to affect us, which is why most people need longer arms after 40 and need a little bit of help. Um, but oftentimes, even before 40, you need help um, because of the high demand up close. The second system I was talking about is the binocular system, how your two eyes aim together. So that you, each eye has to aim at the same place. Your, your two eyes have to focus on the right plane you have to maintain that focus. And then as you're reading, your eyes have to move or jump. So the vision just for reading alone is a very, very complicated system. And so you, you also wanna share all of these things and your doctor optometry can give you special glasses and prescriptions, um, suggestions on how to use your devices. So closer is worse, further is better. 
You want your top of your monitor at eye level. You want to follow the American Optometric Association's 20-20-20 rule, which means every 20 minutes of close work on the computer or reading, you want to take at least a 20-second rest break by looking at something at least 20 feet away, meaning out a window, down a hallway. So it's best not to have your computer or your child's computer facing a wall where they look up and all they see is a wall. It's best to have it face so they can look across the room or out the window. Wow. Um, you want to make sure it up, just like everything else, it's, you have to cross train your eyes, basically. Correct. And the studies show that children need to be outdoors one to two hours a day to protect their eyes. That's the most important thing you can do. Get them outside, get them running around. We're not sure if it's the sunlight alone or if it's just getting away from the devices up close or playing ball or running around, but that is so important. And it's wow. important for all of us to get outside and to exercise and to take good care of our health. And the other thing is the distance that you hold your device at. So, you know, kids in particular, but even adults tend to hold their monitor really, really close, like 10 inches away. Yeah. And the closer you pull it in, the higher the focusing demand, the higher the demand to, to coordinate and cross the eyes, the worse it is. So you want to hold your device at what's called the Harman working distance, which is if you put your arms at your side and bend your elbows at your side and hold your arms parallel to the floor, that distance is the distance you should hold your device at, which is wow. also the same distance as if you put your fist under your chin and put your elbow on the table, that's the same distance. And obviously it's closer for children that are that are shorter and smaller than it is for an adult. But you wanna hold your device at the right distance. You wanna take those rest breaks. You wanna get outside and you wanna see your doctor of optometry for that comprehensive eye exam so they can give you specific uh, recommendations for you, your eyes, your demands, your eye health and your family history as well. It's quite, I mean, thank you for those um, very actionable recommendations for all of us, but especially for our children. Um, it, it seems like the future is our children. And if the future of their eyes is not good, it's not great for anyone, um, but especially them. So in terms of the future of America's eyes, I mean, these policy changes that you, you've just, you know, put in place with uh, the APHA, the, I, I believe it's called the American Public Health Association, um, if you wanted to just in a few minutes dive into kind of where you're taking things and, and, and where that group is, is trying to drive action. So it's a wonderful organization. I, I recommend that everybody join it if they can, really designed to promote public health in America. And I've had the distinction of serving as the policy chair of the vision care section of the American Public Health Association. Two years ago, we passed a policy promoting eye health, which was noting the importance of eye health in children and in adults in America, it called on the US Department of Health and Human Services to issue a call to action on reducing the burden of vision impairment and to partner with their fellow agencies and community organizations to launch a coordinated public awareness campaign on vision health across the lifespan. It encourages the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to build on and develop the vision and eye health surveillance system and to include questions about eye health in major health surveys. It also urges state and local public health agencies to partner with healthcare systems to promote objectives and strategies on optimal eye health. So that's in a nutshell, a 10 page policy document, which was really based on the NASM report, which was the National Academy of Science, Engineering and Medicine, which really looked at the issues and the crisis of eye health in America. Um, that was in 2019. In the end of 2020, we passed uh, a policy to increase access and reduce barriers to children's vision care services. 
and its emphasis was with clear, healthy vision critical to their child's educational, social, and extracurricular success. It calls on the federal agencies conducting surveys on children's health and education to also collect data on access to and use of eye care. It asked the U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration to allocate new resources to improve access to vision care for all children and increase support to state health departments to address the issue through existing programs. It urges public and private insurance programs to maintain comprehensive vision care for children from birth to age 18 and calls on school officials to guarantee that children with vision problems who need extra help receive the necessary accommodations for school success. So those were really based to really carry forward, regardless of what the changes are going forward, a call to action. Yeah. And right now we're actually having the works a joint policy with several of the other sections, uh, the oral health section, the foot and ankle section, and the pharmacy section, together with the vision care section, to talk about the multi multidisciplinary approach to diabetes and preventing the complication of diabetes in all of those areas. So we're working on that as well. And then we're hoping that the American Optometric Association and other partners across the country will be able to use all of these calls to action and policies that were passed by the APHA to help bring those advocacy requests directly to um, Capitol Hill and to our Congress people and our senators to make sure that all of these public health policies become the rule of law, both at the state and the federal level. Um, thank you for going through that. I mean, what what's, what strikes me as you're as you're reading the kind of the abstract of, of these major policy pushes is how common sense they really feel. I mean, again, coming back to it, if, if when you say I think 270 health problems can be diagnosed through you know a, a basic eye exam or a comprehensive eye exam, you know, you think about the fact that this is best for everyone. And for all the reasons that we've talked about in the course of the last 20 minutes or so, this is important. However, what you're calling on in these policies seems so common sense. It seems crazy that we're having to ask for it at, in, in the year 2021. You're 100% right. This is so cost-saving to have comprehensive eye care. First of all, it makes children learn better. It helps America have the advantage going forward as our children learn better. They're gonna become more productive adults. It helps America's workers be more productive. Mm -hmm. And of course, by finding eye problems and also systemic health problems early, it really reduces the cost to the whole healthcare system. So providing comprehensive eye care coverage actually saves money, not only is the right thing to do and protects a vision and helps people have better quality of life, but it actually saves money for the whole healthcare system. Oh, it's amazing. Well, I think with that, you know, um, I, I'm going to just ask if there's anything else that you want to share before we wrap up uh, talking about the future of America's eyes, um, which has to do with children, but also adults. Um, is there anything that you think all of us should know? I mean, I, I know you recommend to me like great fish oil. <laughs> <laughs> So first of all, again, I'm going to emphasize the importance of that comprehensive eye exam because you'd be shocked to know that it's estimated that only about 14% of children have had a comprehensive eye exam upon school entry, and only 50% have had one by the time they graduate from high school. Wow. Most parents, unfortunately, assume that a child can see well, um, and that's because children assume that however they see is normal, they don't always complain. The only kids who complain are the ones who have trouble seeing the board, which are the nearsighted kids. The ones who have trouble with reading and seeing things up close often assume that if they're seeing double or things get, are getting blurry or the words are jumping around on the page, they're assuming that all of those vision problems are normal and it's just a function of reading. 
So to follow the American Optometric Association's clinical practice guidelines, all children should have their first eye exam between six and 12 months of age, even if they don't have any symptoms. And I'm also proud to have been a participant in the creation of the American Optometric Association's public health program called Infant C. And we provide no cost vision assessments to every baby in this country in the first year of life. Wow. Um, and you can find a participating doctor of optometry who's an American Optometric Association member at infantc.org. That's infantsee.org. You can find one in your area. There's over 8,000 of us across the country. And then to make sure that your child has an exam again at age three, age five, and every year thereafter, and even you as adults, to make sure, even if you don't wear glasses, to make sure that you have that comprehensive eye exam. And again, to go to the American Optometric Association's website, which is aoa.org for all things eyes. They have incredible resources for parents, for adults, talking about nutrition, what to eat. You know, Lisa, you were talking about omega-3s, which are so wonderful for eye health, but you need the right concentration, the right formula, um, and the right thing for you. But there's all kinds of information on the AOA's website about children's health, adult health, nutrition, eye diseases, prevention. I mean, we could have a whole nother discussion um, about things that we can do for seniors to help protect vision. God gives us only one set of eyes. They have to last us a lifetime. It's amazing to me that parents, even parents who are educated, assume that they don't have to treat the eyes. They'll take their kid to the dentist, even at six months of age, for teeth that might fall out of the kid's head uh, when they grow up. But that one set of eyes that has to last a lifetime, many parents <laughs> take for granted. And it, it's heartbreaking to me that not a week goes by that I have a parent who's bringing an eight, nine-year-old in for their very first comprehensive eye exam. And the parent discovers that the child's problems with attention and reading were really vision problems that were masquerading as behavioral problems or other problems. Because if you have trouble seeing clearly up close, you might start to act out in the classroom. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all all ADD is caused by vision problems. I'm no. not saying that at all, because ADD does exist. Um, but I am saying that there are a lot of vision problems that will masquerade or confound um, other behavioral problems. In fact, their data shows incredibly high that amongst juvenile delinquents, a very high rate of vision problems that are there. So it, it uh, make sense. sure you get that comprehensive eye exam. It, it could save your life. It could save your vision. At the very least, it's going to make your vision and your life so much more productive and valuable clear. to be able to see your loved ones. So it's going to make it my so take much more message. clear. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Andrea Thaw is uh, a doctor of optometry in New York City speaking about uh, the future of America's eyes. Thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Uh, and if you uh, haven't already subscribed on YouTube or Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, please do and follow Future of XYZ on uh, Instagram. We will see you again next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.